Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers around the world. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. And you know what? You cannot step boldly into anything at all if you keep saying, oh my God, I feel like a fraud. Or if you don't want anybody to know that you don't really have your shit together. Or if you're like, I I just can't screw up in front of my friends because, you know, I have to do everything perfectly. But guess what? You're human. And we humans think we have to do all this stuff perfectly. But here's a little insight. It's very toxic to be that way. And because I know how toxic it is from coming out of my own closets and coming out of the closet as a gay man and then deciding to be my own person and an entrepreneur, all this perfection stuff has just wrapped me up in some worse stress and frustration and everything. And that's why I wanted to share something with you today, because all of us have this perfection crap that we go through. And here's the thing I've learned and that the guests that I'm about to bring on is that the closer you get to that thing that you want to do, the higher the stakes get and the more you're going to think, oh my God, it's got to be perfect. And quite honestly, I'm going to say that's complete bullshit because the sooner you let go and you just say it's good enough and you tame your inner critic, you're going to thrive. And that's why I brought my good friend Petra Culver back to the show. She was on once before and we talked about this, but I'm so excited because her book is finally coming out. I'm so happy for her. It's called The Perfection Detox, Tame Your Inner Critic, Live Bravely and Unleash Your Joy. So did you hear that? Live Bravely. Of course, this is why I would have her on here because we live bravely and boldly here on the show. Welcome, 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 my friend Petra. I'm so excited to have you here today. Yay. Thank you, Rick, for having me back on your delicious podcast. I so appreciate it. I just love when we get to have conversations. And and for those of you that listen, Petra and I, we probably touch base every couple, three months, and we have these delicious little tidbits of conversations. And then we go out and we do what we're supposed to be doing in the world. And now she's releasing the book. In fact, her book just came out last week. She is cutting loose and helping people truly learn to just do this perfection detox. And, um, it's not because she's ever thought she had to be perfect, right? You've never had those thoughts whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, I always say, you know, you learn it to teach it, you live it to preach it. And we exactly. Often, like you said, we, I think the work that is closest to our hearts are the struggles that we um, hopefully can help other people short track through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like turning your pain into your purpose and whatever that might be. And for me, as it was for many years, there was this whole idea that I thought to be worthy, to be enough, I needed to be this like false veneer of perfect, of perfection. Right. And it never served me well. It mm-hmm. never served me be able to share my work in the world in an effective way. And I didn't realize how much it impacted me because it had become such a part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I don't think, I mean, I think intuitively we all kind of get it that this stuff does become part of our DNA, but then we have that other little part of ourselves. that's like, I'm not going to buy, buy into that. I'm not going to believe that this is actually what I'm doing. And it isn't until we unwrap it and really go, actually, this is what I'm doing. 
and it isn't working. That's yeah, and the, the key. Yeah. No, absolutely, Rick. And the hard thing is because we're in a world right now that unwittingly so we are being sold this idea that, you know, the harder you work, it's like the badge of honor. You know, if you're at work like the longest and it's, you know, it's the culture's changing a little bit, but with social media and everything else, we are without us even realizing we're being sold perfect on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the images in front of our screens and and so I'm not here to push back against any of that, but I'm here to say, how can we manage our own hearts and our own headspace? Because our head cannot tell the difference between the external facts yep. and then the internal stories we write about ourselves, given the external facts. Mm -hmm. um, it can't tell the difference. So how do we work hard, be successful, make those bold moves that you talk about, be your authentic self and have joy along the way? And I think that's the thing that many people miss is the joy along the way piece because what they don't get, and I know there's the, the um, saying, um, you know, when you compare yourself to others, you steal your joy. But I think the same thing happens is when you put yourself in perfection, you can't be joyful. I'm not saying all the time because sometimes, yeah, oh, I did, you know, I made the perfect home run. Okay, there's some joy there, right? But when we lay this perfection piece in front of, okay, this has to be good. Like if I came on this podcast this morning, and I was, to be honest, we were, I was struggling this morning because the mic wasn't working and all. I'm like, this has got to be good, but it's just going to be what it is. You know, it's yeah. going to be what happens. And the thing is, is I know that somebody listening today is going to hear something that you or I say, and they're going to walk away with this and go, yeah, I need to quit trying to be so perfect. Yeah. And I think you said in the intro, something really powerful that the closer you get to the stuff that really matters, mm -hmm. the worse this can appear. And sometimes you, know, some of your listeners might go, you know what, this is great, but I don't really struggle with perfection, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's where it wears the disguise of confidence. Yep. Like whether it's your confidence, catching up to your dream, your purpose, your, your love life, whatever it is, or this idea of enoughness. Most of us can recognize that at some point in our lives, we didn't feel smart enough, tall enough, smart, young enough, wise enough, whatever your enoughness might be. And mm -hmm. this idea that the closer you get to what really matters, your, your fear radar, especially if you want it to be perfect, will just go on high alert. Yep. But what has helped me, Rick, is in the past, like you said, like what you just said, if if it can help one person, and I know for me, when my inner critic raises her head in the most inconvenient of times, what I have done is I have mistakenly placed the lens on me yep. versus the impact I want to serve into the world. So for example, speaking is a big thing to me. Both you and I love to speak. Right. And I get nervous before I speak. And I think you should get nervous because it's respect for your audience. And mm -hmm. the day I step on sp stage and I'm not nervous, I think is the day I need to step off the stage. Yep. Yet, if it kind of manifests itself so what, where it's paralyzing me, where I'm not being able to use it for adrenaline and serve it into energy for my audience, what I've done, Rick, without realizing it, I've made it all about me. I'm speaking for the five-star evaluation to have everybody in the audience love me and which you know is impossible. Right. So what I need to do this pause and go, Oh, I've made it about me, my ego without, without realizing it. But like you said, when I can flip the lens onto the people I want to serve and if it's changing one person's idea of their enoughness, one person walks out of that audience going, I feel less alone. Then it's been a five-star day. You know, I'm so glad you talked about this because 
you and I just both recently did some speaking engagements and I get the same way. If I'm not nervous, I have to check in with myself and go, okay, why am I not? Now there's different layers of nervousness too. One of my barometers is if I'm not sweating, <laughs> then that's a good thing. Right. But if I don't have a little bit of a heart palpitation or when I get up on that stage, if I don't go, oh shit, I'm here in my head, then I know something's not right. I know I'm totally turned on myself. And the last talk that I gave was a podcast movement just a couple of weeks ago. And um, I remember walking up on that stage. I knew I had this down because I finally realized for me, I'm a storyteller. Mm. I'm not necessarily a speech giver, but I'm a storyteller who has figured out, I tell the story and I bring the lesson, which I think is what all speakers do. But for me, I had to get past this. It's so scripted. I have to know the script. I know the script, but I also know the story has to be the thing that carries the script. So it's been a big shift in my own head with myself. And there I stood on the stage at Podcast Movement and I thought, oh, I can feel my heart beating fast. Mm. Oh, but I'm not sweating. Oh, this is that moment. It's, it's perfect in its own way now. And it was the first time in a long time since I stepped on a stage that I actually had that that, you know, dual feeling of the heart's beating, but there's no sweat. And I just was me. Yeah. Because I looked right at the audience. The first thing I did and just kind of, and it's something I've learned to do is like, you get on stage, you take that two or three seconds to like find a person or two in the audience and just connect with them. And I always know the person or two that I look at is exactly the person or two I'm truly meant to connect with through this entire thing. Mm, I like that. My, I really not a, a speaker I admire a lot, Kendra Hall. She said, um, familiar, familiarize yourself with it. Yeah. Don't memorize it. And I'm like you, I just spoke recently to my biggest event so far. And, you know, you got to do the work. You have to rehearse, but you got to leave some room for play because right. we don't know. I was like that first moment when you, like you said, you look at the people in the audience it's see what does the audience need today? It's not what mm -hmm. I'm here to give, but what do they need? But the funniest thing is, Rick, I don't know. It's like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I had room to play. Oh my gosh. But literally I couldn't remember the opening line. I was, I stood there for like five seconds going, Oh my God, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. am I? And it came to me, but I, I said, well, okay, well, it's not going to get any worse than that. You know? Right. So, and then you right. say you do with what you do the best you can with what you have. But I, I believe this is where the perfection stuff gets in the way. It's like we could have both frozen those moments because what's the perfect thing I'm supposed to be saying? And I know subconsciously, and you know this too, because as a speaker, we know this stuff. The minute we start focusing on crap, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? It isn't going to come to us. Yeah. The minute we just relax and we just act as if this is actually exactly what's supposed to be happening, then boop. It comes in, it shows up because yeah. we're not focusing on that thing. And this is where I believe the perfection stuff is what trips so many people up. If yeah, it, we focus on perfection, 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 we can't get to the thing we're supposed to do. No, because I agree with you, Rick, because the, the way you come to the perfect moment, memory, um, interaction, whether it's in relationship, your life, your work, it's about being present. Mm-hmm. To, I always say to create a flourishing future, you need to reside in the present. And perfection, whether it's enoughness, a lack of confidence, this idea that you're the only one that doesn't belong at the table of success, or mm -hmm. you're going to, like you said, at the beginning, we all feel like a fraud. And everybody does at some point in their life. But what happens is 
it separates us from being able to be in the moment because perfectionism at its worst, it becomes the basement level. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wanting, want to do excellent work, working really hard. And I often say to people, you know, just the fact that you work through this idea of it doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't, you probably will work harder than you've ever done before, mm-hmm. but it's from a place of joy and curiosity and potential versus fear, doubt, and dread. And yeah. when we really, perfectionism resides in the past or worries about the future. Mm-hmm. It's worrying about what you just did incorrectly or worrying about what's going to happen, what mistake you're going to have in the future, where, like you said, and we're just coming back to the talks because that's both top of mind for us, what me allowing myself to go, I've done the work, you know this, it allowed me to kind of take a breath and come back to the present. And then the, the, the opening line came to me. But when I start panicking, like, oh my God, they're going to notice I, I'm not, they're going to, you start projecting all this falsehood. And then your actual logical part of your brain, this is science. We move perfectionism, confidence, anxiety. It all works in the fight or flight response. It moves us into this panic mode where the very part of your brain that we actually need to utilize the, the more, the newer part of our brain, the higher functioning part of our brain that shuts down. So I always say, you know, you think perfectionism is helping you. It actually is even separating you further from your best self because you can't think you go into this fight, flight, and freeze, and the piece of you that you need to tap into, anchor yourself to the present, it's almost impossible to get back to that space. And the only way to do it, actually, Rick, is through your breath. It's like that's the fastest way to bring yourself back to the moment and out of fight, flight, or freeze. So it's just this whole idea that we think being perfect, being flawless, being um, excellent, and none of this is a bad thing if Mm -hmm. it doesn't trigger you. Exactly. And if it triggers you, that's when you learn. Yes, exactly. And what is it? And again, you know, I say this, and maybe Ian have said this in our first conversation, Rick, that perfect is only a word until you attach an emotion to it. So if the word perfect, your listeners are going, you know, I say I want to be the perfect partner, the perfect this, and it doesn't trigger me. Fantastic. But if this idea of perfect means Unless it's the perfect time, I'm not going to ship it. Unless my work is perfect, I'm going to keep a hold of it. Unless I can say the perfect thing at the first date, I'm not going to go on a date. It's really interesting to sit and go, well, it's not really about the word perfect. What are the emotions that you're attaching to this word? And for me personally, Rick, it was this idea of I was never smart enough. It was my history of also having a, a father who drank a lot where I felt that by being perfect on the outside, no one would see the mess or this disaster that was going on in my home. So it actually has really nothing to do with the word perfect right. in the present day, but all this stuff I had layered on like over decades that until you can sit with the the feeling behind the word. Exactly. And this is the work that you do. We're never going to get through it and to the other side and then reclaim that joy. But I, I believe the freezing piece is so interesting and the emotion. There's two things that came out of what you just said because the emotion dictates what the value is we're going to put on any word. So yeah. as soon as, so like when I'm working with someone coming out of the closet, um, or making a big shift in their work or whatever it may be, but let's use the coming out of the closet. One of my favorite questions to ask is, 
So tell me what emotion you feel about coming out of the closet. And almost always, oh, I feel afraid. I feel, uh, you know, a fear that I'm going to be rejected. I'm like, okay, what else? And it takes about three times of me asking what else when they finally get, well, I feel excited. I feel alive. Well, that's so interesting too, because, and this is a great point, Rick, is that the excitement and anxiety and panic and fear all run on the same nervous system. So the feeling, and this is what I have to, I'm oversharing right now, but I recently went through menopause. Okay. Um, sharing my age. So that's what's coming. I'm coming out of the closet to deal with my age. There you right? go. <laughs> Girlfriend, you and me both. So there we yeah. go. We're both, with, we're both in that same place. So Yes. But with that, those hot flashes are yeah. the exact same internal response. Your same, um, the sympathetic nervous system is going to trigger hot flashes, going to trigger excitement. That's mm -hmm. just a lower grade of the nervous system that if we don't notice that, it could then tip over to anxiety and panic and all these other things. So it's just so interesting that, and then when we say, if you don't spend the time to do the work, and like you had said that a lot of people, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, but it's not the, it's rejection. I'm mm -hmm. um, feeling isolated, not feeling yep. part of the tribe. Exactly. And then like you say, you can go under, under. So then, then, and the good side of that is I'm actually excited, but to gain this new life, you also have to lose the life that you knew. So it's just, whether that's coming out of the closet, being gay or being, um, stepping out of a partnership and Mm -hmm. Whatever it might be, trying a new job on for size, to step into something new means also letting go of something that you know. Mm -hmm. And that's a very scary, exciting, fearful, wonderful, awful place to be. And when we can celebrate both of those sides, Rick, and yes. I think this is a challenge especially with social media right now, mm -hmm. what we see is everyone's success. Absolutely. But to be the full package, to have this meaningful life, it has contrast. And so we have to share the sweet moments, absolutely, but not ignore that being a human being requires good days, not so good days, fear and joy and curiosity. And, you know, it's all of it. It's all of it. It's every bit of it. In fact, you know, we, we made a comment earlier in this conversation about what people may take away from this. And I will predict that one thing that somebody's going to take away from this is, wow, she just admitted she'd just gone through menopause. This person's being real and she's shown and, and shared that perfection doesn't necessarily mean some of the things we think. Perfection can be opening yourself up and saying, okay, I'm going to be raw and real. You know, that, that's yeah. just the way it is. And that's what I enjoy about being able to be in this medium and have guests like you and have these conversations because nine times, well, okay, folks know this mostly, but there's no script here, folks. We don't know where we're going. And if I had to have the script, this would be a very different show. You would hear it in my voice. You would hear me being uptight. You would hear me going, okay, this doesn't sound like Rick. But then to be able to now say to Petra, Hey, I know you've learned so much of this because you've developed a system around this. Talk about the system. Now, that's one of the questions that I could ask Petra from her list of questions, but I'm not going to ask it like, so you have the perfection detox and it's a 21 step process, Petra. I'd rather be much more honest about this and go, okay, so you just talked about the menopause thing and we've talked about both of us turning older and both of us could get completely hung up in our perfection about being in our 50s and what's next. But you've got this really great process, I know, because we're friends and you've told me about it. 
take us through something that's in the 21 step process. It's so much more natural. Yeah, I, I will in a second, but I think to go back, Rick, you said something really powerful. It's this idea that, um, like you said, we could have, you, have a, you could have a scripted show. Life is not scripted. And perfectionism tries to make life controlled. It, mm. Perfectionism loves to this, lives with this false idea that we can control the outcome. And as we both well know, that is not, that's just not life. But what you can do is learn how to be the best you that is able to respond from a place of, I hate this word, it's so overused, but your true authentic response yeah. and then learn, and, and what's the learning in this? Mm-hmm. And so I think if it's going to talk to anything about this, it's um, this idea of our err. We all have an err. And I mentioned a little bit before, you should be younger, thinner, smarter, older, whatever. And it's learning what that err is and deciphering it. And it will change. Like my err, Rick, for many years was I should be thinner and smarter when I was in the fitness world. Now, if I'm not careful, my err could be, ah, if only I was younger. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, my first book is coming. It, we, it released last week. I'm, I'm a first-time author at 55. Yep. I'm a relatively new, I've been speaking as a keynote speaker for like two years now on the big mm-hmm. stages at 54. So mm-hmm. I could have said, okay, I, the fitness world has known me for the past three decades. Sure. At the age of 53, am I young enough? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should I be younger to exactly. try this whole new pivot, this whole mm-hmm. new career? And whatever Whatever you are, anyone that's listening to right now, if you dive deep enough and that that moment of panic and fear and you feel that gap between who you think you are now, who you know you are now, Mm -hmm. and who you think you should be to go for your dream, to live that bold life, to make that bold move in your career, whatever, this is the stuff you have to look at because- It is. No one's telling you or the loudest voice you will ever have in your entire head, whether you are 8, 18, 28, 38, 58, because I just went to see Mean Girls yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the same crap that yes. I'm dealing at 55, you're dealing at 15. And if you have young brother, you know, young daughters and sons, this is going on in their heart and their soul. And it's such a relevant conversation because it will stop you. Mm-hmm. It will be the gap between who you are, because who you are right now is enough, yep. and there's probably work you want to do. I know, Rick. Look, I love. I think I'm a really good speaker. Could I be better? Absolutely. I think I'm a good writer. Could I be better? Absolutely. Of course. I do a podcast. Could it be better? Absolutely. So, but it doesn't mean that who I am today is not enough, mm-hmm. and there's still work to do. Who you are right now, listening. You are absolutely enough. You are absolutely perfect. And then from that place, you do the work. You get excited about it. You show up. Um, you get up early if you have to. You, you change the relationships if you have to. You step out of the closet and mm-hmm. make the bold statements. But it doesn't mean that who you were yesterday before making this bold move is not enough also. Right. Exactly. Does that make you know, sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. You know, case in point, I was on my mastermind group call this morning before we were recording this. And one of my fellow mastermind people said, hey, great job on that 300th episode. It was really great. It was so cool to hear all those voices, one of which is Petra's on there talking about it. And he goes, but I just have to ask you a question. Did you use the same microphone 
for your intro that you did with the interviews. And I said, no, I use different microphone because the one was out on the street sort of stuff. So some of them were good. Some of them got recorded through a normal, you know, microphone. Others got recorded on an online system that I use. He said, I was just questioning because he goes, you know, I didn't sound like you used the same microphone. Now, I could have gone in complete perfection mode right there. Like, oh, fuck. And then I thought, that's exactly how it was supposed to be. So now I know to check that particular microphone if I use it again. Instead of getting hung up in the past perfection, but using what I heard to take me to the future better. Not perfection, to the future better. And yeah, I think and this is the pr important stuff that we have to, uh, yes, I'm going to say have to, I hate to say that too often because it's like some people go, well, why, who are you to say have to? But I think this is one of those have to's in life. Let perfection show you from the past what you could have done better in the present so you can do better, not be perfect, but you can do better in the future if that's what you want to be doing. Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing. And I think when we look, nobody likes people not hearing that, um, it didn't go perfectly. Look, I've yep. already got some reviews and, you know, f you want the five stars. And then I'm looking at a four star and it's just, so here's the thing. When we look at it has to be perfect or it's not enough. Mm -hmm. It's like perfect or not. It's, it, it's very black and white thinking. What happens is just like you said, it doesn't allow us to look back to the things that we could do better. For example, like if I did something that wasn't considered perfect, I would just in the past, Rick, not now, I would, because I do very, very few things perfectly these days because I'm actually getting my voice out there. Oh my right. God. But mm -hmm. in the past, if I'd looked at a review, this is more like fitness because I had this, yep, yep. this huge decade, you know, three decade career in fitness. If I had looked, and then there are really relevant, there's very relevant constrict, constructive feedback. I call it feed forward. And there are going to be people that review you. I'm one of my favorite, I'm jumping around a bit, but I don't want to forget this. Quincy Jones said, the thing with like Whitney Houston is you're always striving to hit that high note. Mm -hmm. You're only comparing yourself to the best note you ever sang. And he said a great thing. And for all of you listening, I just love this idea. Never let the critics go to your heart and do not let the praise go to your head. And it is easy to say it's so hard to do. But when we can look at back at you know, let's say a failure, let me say I just failed at something and I shipped something and it didn't go well. And, in the past, I would have totally put that in a box, Rick, and never looked at it again because I would not have looked at that as a failure. I would have looked at myself as a failure. Mm -hmm. I would not have been able to separate what I do from who I am. Mm -hmm. But now if I make a mistake, example this morning, oh my gosh, <laughs> such a stupid mistake. I had done like a pre-sale book, book bonus for my birthday, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. I put the wrong code on the back end. <laughs> it was my complete utter stupid fault and luckily one of my friends who was always like very quick to check she goes you know i don't know if it's working and i didn't lose my breath because i knew i could always send out another email we got it right. fixed in 10 minutes it was a mistake that i made in the past rick i would have been focused on that for the next two months exactly yep yeah. And now what I can do when I make, that was a, that was just a stupid error on my end, but on say like a speaking event and mm -hmm. maybe I got some feedback from the organizer, whatever. Now I can look at that and go, Oh, okay. I bring all the good that went well. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I look at something that might not have gone as well as I had thought and tweak it. Yep. I don't throw everything out. And so that I always say there's always a lot of data in the disasters and research in the rejection. Mm. So it allows us to separate our beingness for what we do in the world. And we have to be able to do that, especially, you know, I know you have a lot of listeners who are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and the more you care, oh my gosh, and the more you are attached to the outcome, the more I invite you to do this work because yeah. it will crush your soul if you don't know how to separate the beingness and the goodness of who you are from everyone's opinion of you. And there's that saying, I, I joked and said this on stage the other day, what you think of me is not, as, um, it's not, what you think of me, what, was, what is it? Um, what you think of me is none of my business. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So easy to say, so hard, hard to, to do. But man, if, you, if we're going to survive in this world of online media and technology, mm-hmm. you have to. And yeah. I think that's a big piece of where this work has come for you is it's coming at the right time where we are so inundated with the social media world, everything, that you can look at somebody's stuff and go, oh, and I'm, I'm going to be really transparent here. A lot of people do that to me. Oh, Rick, you're doing so great. I'm like, yeah, but if you could see my checking account, you wouldn't think that, you know? Yeah. It's like, yes, I'm doing lots of really cool stuff. I'm doing lots of stuff that I love to do, but it's a struggle. Because there's, you've got to generate the money. And I'm pretty open about that with friends. It's like, yeah, I, I look like I'm doing great stuff. But man, if you had to survive on what I'm trying to survive on at times, you probably go, why aren't you working at a real job? And it's yeah. because I realize this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And every time I think about, screw it, I'm going to go back to the workforce. I'm like, but that's not why I'm here. I don't believe. Now, at some point it could be. But what I know is this is myself saying it's okay to be imperfect in this world in this way right now. And I think, yeah. Exactly what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, sorry, Rick. I think also it's the long game. And that's what social media does. We look at people and we forget that 10,000 hours that we're doing right now, both you and I building our brands. Yep doesn't happen overnight. It just doesn't. But on social media, we're comparing our behind the scenes, as Stephen Furtick says. We're comparing our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. And I think if you're younger, you know, and you're listening to Rick and myself, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of output. Like with my book right now, if you look at me online, think, oh my God, she's got it all figured out. But yes, but the month, the, the output to build your business, you want to be very smart about it. You don't right. want to be like put, putting yourself into, you know, onto the streets that you can't pay your bills, but it's not easy. It takes years, if not decades to rebrand and rebuild. And even Gary Vaynerchuk, who I like, which is, He's changing his message a little bit. He was all about the hustle, hustle overnight. He's now saying the commodity of the future is patience. Yes. You got to be patient with this. You have to be patient. And you have to be willing to open up and learn from those who have been patient. Not everybody's this over. I mean, and Vaynerchuk would be one that I'd kind of say, he's kind of an overnight success in a lot of people's minds, but he really isn't. Oh, no. Years of him getting where he got to be able to be this. And I think the younger generation, and if those of you are listening, I'm not saying this to bash you, but I think at times it's like, they believe everything happens overnight. Because I think everything has become so instant. It's instant. You know, even now, like, you know, just waiting 10 seconds for your email to load. Like, Oh, come on already. I mean, back in the day, you guys, 
some of you are too young to even know what dial-up is, but like, <laughs> like yeah. waiting for AOL, you've got mail. <laughs> I mean, but because <sighs> we, we are in a world of instant access, it's hard to separate, again, what we see from mm-hmm. who we are. And even the people online, the, you know, the people have like a million followers on Instagram, that did not happen overnight. They were early adopters, early adapters. They found out what worked. They had to tweak and test. You know, occasionally, there's the, the unicorn, but they're very few and far between. And when you put in the work and it's consistency, and here's the thing about perfection, it wants the overnight success and it doesn't allow you to do two things that you need to do to be successful. One is ask for help. Yep. Because we, look, for many years, I was the one always giving advice. I was the fitness expert. So it was really easy for me to be the one giving advice. But now as I moved into speaking and writing and podcasting, hey, look, one of the first people I reached out to when I did my own podcast was you, Rick, and you were so generous in helping me and with authors, Jenny Blake and Dory Clark. I mean, you have to ask, you have to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And perfect doesn't allow you to do that. I was saying this to another author friend of mine the other day, that sometimes what perfect does, it actually holds you back from your greatness because what you think is your top level success is actually only your mid-level. Because mm-hmm. to truly stretch yourself, to truly put your work, your life, your brand, your voice out into the world means taking risks and failing and failing again. And perfection doesn't allow you to do that. So my invitation is, because there are some perfectionists that go, well, why would I change my way of being? Because I'm so successful. And my invitation to them is, you think you're successful now? Just wait. Mm -hmm. This is actually your mid-level success. Because imagine what happens when you stop micromanaging, when people stop running around you in a fear-based scenario where you actually say, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to start learning new skills. My, you think you're successful now? You have no idea how successful you can be. Well, and the, and the I don't know is huge because to me, that's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to say, I don't know. In fact, it's in my manifesto for Life Uncloseted is that's one of the greatest gifts because when you can embrace, I don't know, then you release so much so that you can go figure it out. Yeah. The more you hold on to that feeling and that emotion and that energy, you cause yourself to freeze. I don't know, but I don't want anybody to know that I don't know. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep this hidden. I'm going to f- try to figure this out. But what happens, at least in my case, and I think this happens to most of us, is the more you hold on to I don't know and I don't want anybody to know this, you spin your wheels. You just spin your wheels in crazy places that you don't need to spin them. When the moment you can say to someone, I said this, in fact, it was one of the most beautiful moments. And um, when I was at National Speakers Association, I did my workshop and one of the key people there, her name is Lenora Harris. She was in the room. She has been with NSA for years. She's one of the top speakers in the country. And she opened up about some of her own fears of not being good enough in what she does. And so afterwards, I went up to her and I said, you know, one of the things that I'm going to, I have committed to this year as a bold move for myself is to reach out to some speakers in NSA that I don't think would have the time for me. And I'd like to be able to reach out to you and have a conversation with you. Scared the crap out of me because I'm like, this woman is so busy. And she said, absolutely. And this is, that was my way of saying, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to take my speaking career to the next level. But people are willing to support you when you say, 
I don't know. There's going to be very few people who are going to say, yeah, because you're a dumbass, so get out of my face. i got better things to do. Yeah, and you know, the thing is we, we can ask for help because asking for help allows for relationships are a two-way street. Mm-hmm. So if you're only the one always giving, 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 we're never allowing that two-way reciprocation of give and take. And mm-hmm. I had another conversation last week and there might be people that just say, I can't do it right now because they're too busy. Yep. And then we don't take it personally because I know myself. Mm-hmm. I normally, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. For the past two months, I've actually said no to so many people because I just don't have the bandwidth. I'm barely yep. keeping up with my own life. But then I'll say, please reach out to me again in October and I'll have more than enough time to help you. Exactly. And again, don't take it personally. And by saying, I don't know, doesn't mean you're stupid. And if someone says, I can't help you right now, it doesn't mean that you are a bother. Right. It just means they cannot, they're so busy because we forget this. We put our own story onto every interaction where the person we're asking help for, they might've just had something go down that they've got to manage. And it's all that. I love the book, The Four Agreements. Absolutely. Don't take anything personally. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. So, well, I am so excited for you, my friend. I am so glad the book is getting out there and getting in people's hands. It is well-needed, well-deserved congratulations to you, um, your beautiful soul on the planet, and you give every step of the way. And um, I wish I could be there to support you more, And but I know we will. We always support each other. So um, so if you could leave anybody listening with one last bit of advice, and then we kind of talked about the 21-step process. It's in the book. It's everything that you can learn from Petra about this. But if there was one little last nugget you would love to leave them with, what would that be? Hmm. There's two. Can I do two? Sure. Of course you can. Because <laughs> I'm going to be the imperfect outro. Yes. Um, it's so totally I, cool. I love it. Yeah. So I always say, you know, the longest distance we'll ever travel is from our head to our heart. Mm. And leave room. Like I always say, just try and create room. Like you said, to be curious and dance and delight in the possibility of your potential and leave room for good things to happen. But I think the really great thing that I would love your listeners to know and remember at their hearts is that we all feel like imposters in our own life at some point. It just means that you care, know we are more alike in our struggles than we are different, and that the world would rather have your imperfect voice, podcast, blog, relationship, than your perfect silence. Mm. I love that. Absolutely love that. And I love you. And thank you so much, my friend, for again, just giving fully of yourself and doing what you're meant to do. I think this is truly the biggest part of this podcast is showcasing people who step into the world and share their stories and do what they're meant to do. Because that's part of being imperfect too, is going, I'm going to let you see my bloody warts and everything. (laughs) Our, our, our whole getting older and, and hot flashes and all that, because We all have a hot flash in life, every one of us. So live with it, be perfect in it, and love what you do. So thank you again, my friend, for being here. Thank you for having me on your show, Rick. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments, if you like, and if you believe in this podcast, and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. 
maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.